Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. I serve here at, in a few places, um, and we, me and my wife, Raketa, we really just love Awakened Church. In fact, um, I'm retiring from the military very soon, and we're making Clarksville our home, not because Clarksville's growing and there's all these things going on in Clarksville. It's because specifically of Awakened Church and the people here. This is our family. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this weekend is Memorial Day, and uh, it's been mentioned a few times and it's interesting, I have the privilege of speaking to you today, and I'm, just in a few months, I'll be retiring from the military, so I think it kind of fits, right? And, um, but as I look back at, at what God's brought me through in my military career, there's some struggles I'd like to share with you this morning. And um, if you don't know already, Memorial Day is the day we just set aside, and we honor those that have made the ultimate sacrifice, those that, that didn't make it back home. And it's, it's a day, it's, a, it's kind of a somber event, but we, as Christians, we, we can, it, we're different than others because we can mourn with hope, right? We can mourn with hope. And so it is a somber day, but at the same time, I think the best way I can honor those uh, that we're honoring today, the best way I can do that is to present the gospel. And so that's what I intend to do today. I'm going to bring it. That's okay. And, and so, um, as I said, I'm retiring and I'm retiring in a few months from the Army, and I want to share, I've got a lot of experiences over 20 years, many experiences that God's brought me through, and I could really see His hand in my life. In fact, I was, uh, my wife and I were coming here, and she corrected me last service. She said, it's been about eight, eight or nine years, um, back when we had two, two services. We had the, the South Venue, which was here, and the North Venue, not too long ago, but um, about seven years ago, I was sitting in the North Venue, and Jesus just got a hold of me. Uh, he wrecked my world for the good. Uh, he took away some things that were really uh, hampering me and, and, and holding me back in life and really killing me, honestly. Um, really killing me and, and broke me in the North Venue uh, for the good. And, and uh, I'm so thankful. That's why I'm thankful for Awakened Church. Uh, it wasn't Awakened Church that did it. Don't hear me say that. But Awakened Church was used as an instrument. God did that in my life. And I'm so thankful for that. And so I want to share uh, just, just a brief experience uh, with you um, that I've had in the Army. And uh, we came here, we, we moved here about 11 years ago. Prior to that, uh, I was in training to, to, prior to the, the unit I, I'm retiring out of. The, uh, the unit I'm retiring out of requires about three to four years of training, depending on what job you do. And so at the end of that training, there's a, there's a culmination exercise, and it's about a month long. And in this exercise, you're required as a team to sit down and come up with your own plan. So there's 10 to 14 dudes sitting down, and, they, and they're, they're coming up with the plan to train a bunch of people in a different area. And you've got to get there on your own, and you've got to get a bunch of equipment there on your own. And so that means that you have a very heavy backpack, and you walk for a very long distance. And, and so we, we were sitting down, and we were coming up with this plan, and we, and we, we decided on the way, the path that we were going to take, and we decided on which, where we would turn right, and where we would turn left, and where we would stop, and where we would, you get the idea, right? We were coming up with our own plan. The training wheels were off. And so here we are, and we're, we're ready to go, and it's, it's early in the night, and we start walking. And um, it's a long walk, and it's not very uh, forgiving terrain that we were walking through. And so as we were approaching our final destination, 
Uh, it was my job, since I was, uh, I was actually leading this patrol, it was my job to, to make link up with the, uh, the guide, if you will. It was a, a civilian who was playing a role, and he was, he was a role player, and he's been doing this for decades, and they're really good at it. They get in the role, it's a lot of acting, and so in this, in this fictitious country, and it's, it's, I won't go into that, but the point is, is, is I'm, it's my job to meet this guy and to identify, is he friend or is he foe? Is he telling me the truth? Or is he lying to me? And so um, I approached him. I built rapport. And uh, by this time, we're all tired. We're hungry. Um, the, the backpacks were really heavy. Um, but let me tell you, let me stop real quick and just tell you, that as we were walking and we were going through that, this whole process, I'm so blessed by the guys, the caliber of men that I worked with. That not once did I hear anybody backbiting, no complaining. We all had a job to do. And we were, we were excited to be there, even though it really, really stank. It was not a good time. Um, it was, but it was a good time, right? <laughs> it, because of the men I was with. And so we were there for each other. We were, we were not looking out for number one. We were looking out for each other. So here we are. I meet the guy, and we establish some rapport. And he, he says, I'll take you to your final destination. Go ahead and follow me. And so we do. We pick up, and we, we follow him. And I'm, I'm watching him on my map the whole time. And I notice we approach this big big hill, mountain, if you will, just a, a hill in the middle of nowhere. And we start to skirt around the right side of it. And as we skirt around the right side, I said, good, I bet we're getting close. This looks like a good area for a base camp for guys to be hidden in. And, uh, and then we start to keep going around the mountain. And we come right back to where we started. And so I stopped the patrol. He was going to keep walking. I stopped the patrol and I approached the guy and I kind of pulled him aside. I said, hey, listen, I know you just walked us in a circle. I said, my guys are tired. They're hungry. I said, just get us there, man. We're here to help you. All this stuff on our back that we're carrying, it's all for your guys. So let's go. Let's get there. And he kind of, you could see him kind of almost break character. He kind of chuckled inside. And, and we, about 200 meters away was our final destination. We got there. And it, we, did, we did a good job. Uh, we succeeded. I'm here, right? So we succeeded. And um, at the end of the whole thing, I sat down with this, this gentleman, this civilian role player. And I said, hey, um, how long would you have walked us in that circle? He said, until, until you told me to stop. <laughs> and so, and uh, he shared some, some previous failures of other teams that had walked and walked and walked. And, and they would actually start dropping hints. Hey, you might want to talk. Anyway, so he would have walked us around that circle until we told him to stop. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Both that method of our walking as we were a team, we were walking, we were taking care of each other. And then how do we avoid walking in circles? And I believe that our, our passage today is going to tie right into that. It's a, it's a very common passage. If you want to go ahead, if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, turn to John chapter 14. And don't worry, it's going to be on the, on the screens as well, but we're going to be in John 14, 6 today. It's a very well-known passage. In fact, it's so well-known, I think we can skip over some details here that if you look closely, there's some really good truth here. And if we, if we, if we apply it, if we understand it and apply it correctly in our lives, uh, it'll keep us from walking in those circles. Okay? So... Um, Go ahead and turn your Bibles to John 14, 6, and I encourage you to take out something, a piece of paper, uh, a notebook, something to write on, even if you didn't prepare to do this, because I believe that God's not only going to speak to us through his word, but the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us individually today, individually. He, he wants to speak to us individually if we will listen to him. There's a supernatural element to the Christian life, right? And, and it's, it's personal, and through the power and through God's presence, we are made an effective people. 
We are made a powerful people. It is, his, it is His presence that will mold us into a powerful weapon to be used for the purpose of His kingdom, not our own kingdoms. It's His presence that changes us, that marks us. So let's not delay any further. Let's, let's jump right in here to John fourteen six. Probably everybody has heard this verse at least a few times. But let's see what God's going to reveal to us today. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you mind if I pray real quick before we continue? Let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer. Father God, I thank you for each person in this room. Lord, I ask that this, this message, your word, would be spoken to, our, to us directly. Lord, that all the barriers would be set aside. You would give us all ears to hear. Lord, I ask that anything I prepared that you don't want to say today, even if it was said in the last sermon, there are new people here. They, they want to hear from you, God. We cry out to you. Speak to us, Father, through your Spirit. I ask that you would make that happen today. Anoint me in a mighty way to, to speak your word. Use me up, Lord. Use me as your instrument. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, before we get started, I want to explain something real quick. We're going we're gonna to break this passage down, and we're going we're gonna to break it down like this. We're going we're gonna to start with the no one comes to the Father except through me. We're going to start at the end. And then we're going to jump back to the beginning. We're talking about the, the way, the truth, and the life. And I just say that it's like kind of a roadmap of, our, of as I speak, you'll know where I'm at. And if you're taking notes, you'll know where we're going, okay? Um, it also encourages you as, you, as you see, as we get to the way, and we get through the way, and we get to the truth and the life, I'm almost done. So hold on. All right? Here we go. <laughs> so as a... Uh, Right at the beginning here, I, I mean, right at the end here, it says, no one comes to the Father except through me. There's a, there is a, almost a assumption made here that that is the chief pursuit, right? That is the goal. And let me back up real quick. I need to give you some context to understand what's going on here. The, this is a, Jesus is talking to his disciples here. He's about to leave. He's about to go pay the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. And so, this is to his disciples. So it is their chief goal. It is their goal to get to the Father. They want to be with Jesus. They've been with him. They don't want him to leave. They love him. They love his presence. They, want to, they, they love being with him. And he's, about, he's telling them he's going to leave, but he's encouraging them. He's going to prepare a place for them. And not only that, that he's going to prepare the work that, they ha- that he has for them ahead of time. And he's going to be with them through, the, through his Holy Spirit. And so that's where we're at right now. And so Jesus not only shares that he's the way, which is the bridge that bridges that gap of sin, but I believe he's telling us that, that he's giving us a manner in which we are to conduct ourselves. But before we get there, like I said, let's talk about the end, the Father, except through me. Making an assumption that that is their chief goal, their chief pursuit is to be with the Father, to be with Jesus. And, I'm, and as we talk about that today, I want you if, if you're a Christian here, your chief pursuit should be more of God, should be more of his presence. And so that's the assumption made here. And so as we are going through this word today, let's go ahead and establish that in our minds today. Let's, let's agree. All right, my chief pursuit, if it hasn't been this week, this month, even this year, my chief pursuit will be more of God, will be more of his presence. So let's establish that in our minds today. All right. If you agree with that state, statement, if, you, if you've just, in your mind, you've agreed with me, you said, you know what, I agree with you, Josh, I'm going to make that my chief pursuit. Let me ask you, does your life 
add up with that statement? Do your daily activities add up to that statement? When you, get, when you leave awake in church after we're done here, does your driving add up with that statement? <laughs> Sorry if that hurts somebody. <laughs> uh, I love my wife. Oh, man. So now that we've established that, now we've established our chief pursuit is getting to the Father, and that's only through Jesus, because Jesus tells us he is the way. So let's talk about the way for a minute. The way is a common thread throughout the Old Testament. It's not something they just invented. The, the disciples, in fact, the early church was known of as the way. Throughout the book of Acts, many, multiple times, it's called the followers of the way. They're called the followers of the way. So they, they held on to this name. This was a badge of honor for them. This, why, why is it so important to them that they be known as the followers of the way? What does the way even mean? This was before the Mandalorian. They didn't have, this is the way. They didn't have that. So why is the way when only these people, these disciples, only using the Old Testament as a lens to look through life, how did they, why did they hold on to the way and why was it so important? So let's start with, let's go to the original language. The word in, in Greek is hohodos, the way, the way, and I probably butchered that, it's okay. Um, English is my second language. Redneck is my first. Um, so the way uh, can mean, surprisingly, it's a traveled way or road or a journey. Well, that didn't really enlighten anything. Jesus is the way. He's the way. He's the road we get to the Father, right? It's our sin that keeps us bound, but Jesus takes that sin away and gives us a way, a direct path to the Father. But the way can also mean, the hodos can also mean a manner of thinking, a manner of feeling, a manner of deciding. Think about that. It's not just the path you're on, but it's the method in which you're walking on that path. You've made a decision. You've, you're thinking a certain way as you're walking to the Father you, through the blood of Jesus, empowered by His Holy Spirit. You are doing it in a certain manner. You've made some decisions. You've woke up in the morning. You said, I'm going to follow Jesus. And you didn't stop there. You said, I'm going to do it in this manner. And what is that manner? That manner is humility. I'm going to explain where I get that from. But the first point of today is humility is the method of the way. The title of today's message is the way. Very simple. And the method is humility. Jesus is the cornerstone of the way. We all agree with that, right? Jesus is the, the cornerstone that the, the builders rejected. And I believe that humbling oneself to King Jesus, humility is the foundation. Once Jesus is established, now we have a method in, way we, which, uh, in which we live life. And humility is that method. The way concept actually is not something that the New Testament authors or even the early church, even the disciples, they invented. They didn't invent this. This goes all the way back, all the way back through the Old Testament. In Genesis 18, verse 19, it actually, it actually defines the way as doing righteousness and justice. In Psalms 18:30. The way is described as being blameless. In Proverbs 14, 14, 12, there's a warning here that there are two ways. And the undesirable way is a path to hell, a path to destruction. If you would, turn in your uh, Bibles uh, to Psalms 25. If you, don't have, if, you, if you don't have your Bibles with you, that's okay. It's going to be right here on the board. We're going to go to Psalms 25, verses 8 and 9. 
and I'm sorry if I go really fast. It's a sword, sword drill, and I win. Um, <laughs> but we're going to be in Psalms 25, 8, and 9 as we elaborate on what is the way. My idea is here is to try to expound on our understanding of what the way means, what method in which we follow Jesus here. And so Psalms 25, 8 says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. What the Psalms tells us is that God desires to instruct humble sinners. Almost seems backwards if you think about it. Wouldn't he want to, to instruct saints? He wants to instruct people that are saints, right? Well, we're not saints without Jesus. Saints requires righteousness, and our righteousness is Jesus. He is our Yahweh to Sidkenu. He is our righteousness. And so we are all sinners without Jesus. But God will instruct us on the way if we have humility. He opposes the proud. The psalmist clearly illustrates that a person's journey back to God begins with humility. The father continues to instruct the meek, his meek servants in their journey, but he opposes the proud. 1 Peter 5.5 5 tells us that. He says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. You see, we're first called to repentance. When we put our faith in Jesus, it's repentance that we're called to first. And repentance is nothing more than humbling myself, saying, I'm a sinner. I don't have it figured out. I can't get to God. I need help. Jesus is that help. I bow my knee to King Jesus. I pledge my loyalty, my, my believing loyalty to King Jesus. Now I'm on the way. But it doesn't stop there. We continue that practice daily. We continue that if we want a fruitful life. A fruitful life is defined as being in God's presence, doing his work. Then we must continue in repentance for that life. Turning to God requires turning from our own ways. That's what repentance and that's what humility is. It's turning and saying, my way is not good. Your way is better, God. I'm going to follow your way. So I find this interesting um, because... This can be painful, right? This is admitting you're wrong. And this is something I struggle with. I'm going to share some struggles with you today. I think I shared that at the beginning. If it didn't, I meant to. I don't have it all figured out. This is something I'm struggling with right now. I find it interesting that God has called me to teach this passage, in this manner today to you when I don't have it all figured out. So I'm humbling myself before you in hopes that this encourages you, telling you, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm following Jesus, and I hope to humble myself so he'll talk to me, so he'll instruct me in the way, because I don't want to go my way. I want to go his way. His ways are better. Amen? And so he will instruct us in his ways. He will instruct us in the way. So I want to have a hard question right now. I like presenting questions, even in these discussed, uh, sermons like this. So my question to you is, is God silent in your life? When's the last time you sat down with your Bible open, notepad, pen in hand, and you're praying to God, and you're reading the Bible, you're checking your little boxes, and you're, oh, you're reading, and, and you're praying, and, and you're asking Him for things, but you're also, right, don't forget to thank Him, to adore Him, right? But you don't hear anything back. Is God silent in your life? When's the last time you heard 
and you were firm, you knew that was from God, and it excited you, and you were excited because you just heard something. It might not have excited anybody else. It was just for you. It was a personal message to you. When's the last time that happened? Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be that way. It is supposed to be that way daily. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. We're supposed to hear from God on a daily basis. Maybe, just maybe, there's a pride issue. If you haven't heard from God in a while, maybe it's not him, it's you. God opposes the proud. He's telling you in his silence, that's a message loud and clear. You've got a pride issue. And I'm pointing all the fingers back at me, guys. I told you. I said, this is something I struggle with. So this is hard for me to be up here and tell you I'm failing in this. Still, daily. But I do this to hope in hopes because I love this family. I love this church. And I want to see us. I know we can do great things for the city of Clarksville, for the state of Tennessee. We've got guys in here going across, across overseas doing great things for the kingdom from this church. We can do great things, but we've got to do it in his way. And that requires humility. So are you hearing from God? If you're not hearing from God, maybe, just maybe there's a pride issue. That's what God was telling me. That's what he told me as I was studying to prepare this message today. So is your life, is it one marked with meekness and humility? Or is it one marked with arrogance and manipulation? What God was telling me in that last word there, what God was telling me is, you've gotten pretty good. You can manipulate situations and and do it in a loving way, but you're still manipulating and doing it your way. You're taking control. Stop. That's arrogance. That's not trusting in me that I've got everything under control. Newsflash, nothing surprises God. In each one of our lives, we've all got different stories right now, different struggles. God knows every single one of our struggles, and none of them surprise him. And he cares about every single one. He wants to hear about it. He wants you to pray to him about it. So he can instruct you in the way. Will you turn into Psalms 139 for me? If you haven't figured out yet, I I love the Psalms. I try to read five every morning. Uh, It's very, it's good. It's good. It's a way that God speaks to me is through the Psalms. They speak to me. Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. Again, I still hear pages turning, but I'm going to continue. Um, it's on the board. If, if, or on the, uh, there we go, on the screens there, if, uh, if I'm too fast for you. Psalms 139, 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Our way is everlasting. See, I think a common pitfall for all of us, and I've already kind of hinted to this, but I think a common pitfall for us as Christians is we can say, all right, God, you got me this far. I'm good. I've been trained up. I know the gospel. I can read my Bible. I know all 66 books are. I can even get there really quick. I can go through the Romans road. I don't need you anymore. I got this, right? That's a common pitfall. And we're all, we, we're all uh, in danger of falling in that. And it's a lie. We, we, we're saying, God, you've built me up enough Now I can stay on track on my own. But David recognizes this is a lie. He must allow God to tell him who he is. Not him telling himself who he is or what he can do. He's allowing God to tell him who he is and what he can do. He's recognizing that he can trust God. He has to trust God more than himself. That his heart, he can't even trust himself. In fact, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitfully wicked who can know it. That's what David is saying too. He's saying, I'm not going to trust myself. I'm going to trust in you, God. 
See, we're lost without our captain. We're lost without our pathfinder. We're lost without our savior who started this work. Who are we in such pride to say, okay, God, I got it now. I'm speaking to myself here. Remember that. I get excited. But who am I to say, all right, God, you got me here. I've got it from here. I'll take the baton and run with it without you. You, And sometimes that looks like, I think God is too busy. That's a lie. Or I think my problems are too small. That's a lie. Or even sometimes I think, well, I'm tired of waiting on an answer. I'm going to do something. That's a lie. We're lost without Jesus. So are you making decisions on your own without the counsel of the Lord? He wants you to seek his counsel in everything. Brings, Brings me to my second point and final point. The way is not meant to be a journey in one's own strength. It's foolish not to trust God, but it's doubly foolish to trust yourself over God. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? The world would tell you, go with your gut, go with your heart, do what makes you happy. Sit down and strategize and come up with a plan and do it because you're smart enough. Pull yourself up. You got this. That's a lie. Seek counsel from the creator who nothing surprises him. He knows what's coming. I don't. In Isaiah 55, 9, it says, his ways are higher. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. His ways are higher. In Proverbs 10, 29, it promises us that that way that we're on will be a stronghold for our life. He will protect us. See, what we would tell ourselves is, yeah, but that doesn't seem safe. I'm going to go the safe route. I'm going to take this job because it's going to pay all the bills. This one doesn't really pay enough. But I feel like this one is what I I should do because it makes more sense. But I know God's telling me to do this one. Trust his word. It says that the way will be a stronghold to you. That's going to be our stronghold. See, the enemy would keep us in lies. He would keep us walking in circles. Those circles sometimes look like success. Sometimes those circles look like doing good things for people and loving people. Sometimes those circles look like getting ahead in life. But you're still walking in a circle. You're still following that guide. Stop and change your method. Change your method. Go to, humble yourself before a mighty God and say, I don't have it figured out. This looks good, God. What do you think? And he'll answer you. He'll answer you. Those circles sometimes look like we're We're getting somewhere in life. It's a lie. How do we combat lies? We combat lies with the truth. Well, good. Our passage today tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So we're at the truth. You know where we're at now? We're almost done. I want to share uh, a real quick story, real quick, is is that this being Memorial Day, um, one of the lies that the enemy tells me and I struggle with is survival guilt. Survival guilt is, is believing, is, is be feeling guilty for being here when somebody else that you lost overseas, or even could be here. It doesn't have to be military related. I just thought of that. But for me, it's, it's military related. I wear uh, John Farmer's bracelet on my, my wrist, and I have, actually have a few to, to choose from. But not just today in this season, but often the enemy will come in and say, you don't deserve to be here. They do. Well, let me tell you, that's a lie. 
that, that's saying, I don't trust God has got it all figured out. I don't trust, I think that this surprised God. I think that God made a mistake in choosing me. And it's trusting my own intellect over God. So I want to speak to that lie right here today. And I, I, I want to offer, if anybody, that spoke to anybody right now, at the end of the service, please come find me. I would love to pray with you. And you don't have to find me. I'm not special. Look to your left and look to your right. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. We can pray for each other. Ask for prayer. It doesn't have to be me. It could be anybody in this church that's a Jesus follower. We all have the same Holy Spirit living in us. Okay. (laughs) So we have the way. We have the truth. We also have the life. And we have it more abundantly. And this is my last question for today. Uh, I'll end with this. How many evangelists do we have in here? Few, few. Man, wrong message. I got the wrong message today. I thought I was speaking to Christians. You're an evangelist. Every single one of you is an evangelist. And I, I promise you this ties in. Evangelism starts with humility. As I'm looking at somebody, I know they're lost. And they may even admit to me they're lost. Or they say, may say I'm a Christian, but their actions don't line up with it. In my humility, my heart burns for them. They're in a burning building and they're going to die eternally if I don't tell them the gospel. Evangelism starts with humility and we're all called to it, every single one of us, and we can't do it effectively without the foundation of humility. Humility leads us to evangelism because I love that person. It's not thinking less of myself, it's thinking more of others. That's what humility is. And so evangelism leads me to that. Additionally, You might be saying, okay, yeah, Josh, I agree with you. You're right. I'll work on it. But I just don't have the words to say. I don't know what to say. I'm not good. I can't. I'm not outgoing like you are, Josh. I'm more introverted. Good. Now you won't rely on your own strength. The Holy Spirit, the the Spirit of the living God will give you the words. He will encourage you what to say and when to say it. And sometimes it's just smiling and listening. And listening to that still voice and praying, that three-way prayer. You're praying to God as you're talking to somebody, and God will give you the words. So good. I have to hold back a little bit on my own, my own self and rely on God. Additionally, we must admit that we can do nothing. We can't accomplish his work in ourselves. We have to have his spirit. I'm going to leave you with this last verse, 2 Timothy 4.5. It says, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Church, thank you for allowing me to be here. I'm, I'm honored, really I am. I love this church. I love the people of this church. I, my question is, are we walking in circles? Take this home with you. Chew on it. Are we walking in circles? Are we, are we attempting to complete his work in our own strength? Go think about that. And if you are, he's calling us to repentance. Don't just leave it there. Cry out to God and say, I'm sorry. Help me. I have faith. Help my, help my unbelief, right? Help me, God. Help me trust that you, your way is a stronghold. Help me trust you over myself. We have been given the way and the truth so that life, our life, your life, is marked by one of humility, continually seeking his counsel. We've been given that, the way, the truth, and the life. Chief end seeking him? Are you trusting in the method that he's given you? The method of humility. 
Are you believing the truth over the lies? And are you sharing that life that's been given to you as a gift? It's not meant to be hold on to. We're all called to be evangelists. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.